Hi, friend. Thank you so much for downloading this podcast. And it is my sincere hope you'll hear something that will encourage, edify, equip, and then get you out into the marketplace of ideas. But before you listen, I'm going to tell you about this month's Truth Tool. My Truth Tool is offered to anyone who gives a financial gift to In the Market with Janet Parshall. And this month, I've chosen the book, Connecting the Dots, What God is Doing When Life Doesn't Make Sense. Ever been there? Of course you have. We all have been. Sometimes we think we're walking in circles, and we're wondering whether or not God has left us, we've walked away from Him, what in the world we're doing if we're even in the center of His will. So this book is designed to help you find peace and confidence in your current challenge. And all of us have challenges. It also will make sense of most of the lessons you're learning right now. And the most important part of this and why I felt this would be appropriate is because it will help clarify in your mind the unique mission and message that God has given to you. So the book is called Connecting the Dots. It's yours for a gift of any amount. And all you have to do is call 877-JANET-58. That's 877-JANET-58. And give a gift of any amount, and we'll send you a copy of Connecting the Dots. If you prefer to do it online, that's easy as well. In the market with JanetParshall.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. Click on through, make your gift, and again, we'll send you a copy of Connecting the Dots. Just below the picture of the book is a description of what it means to be a partial partner. Those are people who give every month a gift of their own choosing. They set the level of giving. I don't. But they'll always get the truth tool. And in addition to that, a weekly newsletter that goes out as well. So consider being a partial partner or getting a copy of Connecting the Dots by calling 877-JANET-58 or online at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Now please enjoy the program. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the time the conference was over, the president won a pledge. Americans worshiping government over God. An extremely next... rare safety move by a major... 17 years, the Palestinians and Israelis negotiated. This Welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. I am so glad we're going to spend this hour together and we're going to talk about, yet again, the subject of narcissism. So we're going to open the phone lines, give you a chance to ask any question you've got on this ever-widening problem. And I do mean it is absolutely more and more of an issue in our culture today. So you need this, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. Any question you've got, and you know exactly who I'm about to introduce in a moment. But I want to give you the working definition of narcissism. This is a layman. If you decided to open Oxford's Dictionary and you said, I just want to look up the word narcissism, it's a noun, and it starts out saying this, excessive interest in or admiration of oneself and one's physical appearance. Now, if you're into Greek mythology, you understand who um, Narcissus was. Looking at his reflection in the pond didn't turn out so well for him, by the way, but that's the that's the mythology from which this word is derived, this excessive interest in oneself and the famous painting of his looking in admiration at his own image reflected back in a pond kind of says it all. But the propensity is to look at it as strictly excessive selfishness. So what's interesting is Oxford actually complex makes this more complex by dividing it into two areas. After they describe it as a noun, after they offer similar words that are also wrapped around narcissism like vanity, self-love, self-admiration, self-adulation, self-absorption, they then break it down into psychology and psychoanalysts. So listen to this. Under psychology, they say selfishness. Oh, there you go. That's why a lot of people think that this is nothing but a form of selfishness, which, by the way, 
is something inherent in every single one of us as fallen creatures, great sinners in need of a great Savior. And given our basic sin nature, our propensity to put self first, no surprise, ever since we walked out of the garden, we've been doing that without any problems. Thanks very much. The goal here is to not be selfish, but this is so much bigger than that. So let me continue with Oxford to help break this down. Psychology, selfishness involving a sense of entitlement, a lack of empathy, ooh, that one's big, and a need for admiration, also big, as characterizing a personality type. And then in the world of psychoanalysis, this is how Oxford breaks it down. Self-centeredness, again, this is why people get confused, arising from failure to distinguish the self from external objects. Let me say that again, because that is powerful. The failure to distinguish the self from external objects. Now you're beginning to see how dangerous this is, either in very young babies or as a feature of mental disorder. Ah, there's the rub. So this isn't just somebody being excessively selfish. This is a personality disorder that is as dangerous as the day is long. And unfortunately, this behavior, and I say falls into this gray where you're not sick enough to be institutionalized and you're not felonious enough to be put in jail, but you are a ticking time bomb with this personality nonetheless. And it is why we have continued this conversation because every line remains lit during the course of our conversation. It does every time we take this topic up. And I think a lot of that is attributable to the topic, but even more of it is attributable to the precious nature of the wonderful, godly counselor who comes to visit with us. Laurel Slade Wagner is with us, board-certified professional Christian counselor, a licensed mental health counselor and licensed marriage and family therapist. She's been working in the state of Florida in a private practice for close to two decades. And this is something she writes about with passion and with knowledge, A, because she's lived it, okay? She has told on her own testimony here that she was the child of not one but two narcissists and was married to a narcissist. So she is a graduate of the School of Hard Knocks. But then she went to school and has all the book learning and all the initials after her name and understands what a problem this is, particularly in the church. Because while abuse is more readily recognized with a broken arm and a blackened eye, it is not as easily recognized when it's a broken spirit based on gaslighting, triangulation, manipulation, and the list goes on and on and on. So she's written some books on this. One is called Don't Let Their Crazy Make You Crazy, How to Stay Sane and Strong When the Narcissist in Your Life is Trying to Control or Abuse You. And that kind of says it all in a nutshell. And then she wrote one, Understanding How Children Are So Often Used as Pawns by the Narcissist. Don't Let Their Crazy Make Your Kids Crazy. How to Shield Your Children from Their Narcissistic Parents' Control and Manipulation. And coming soon is her book, Crazy Talk, How to Respond When the Narcissist in Your Life is Being Demanding, Dismissive, or Degrading. And you can bet there's going to be some rich stuff in that book. I have to tell you also, she's got a great website. I've got it linked on the info page for In the Market with Janet Parshall. I bring that to your attention only because if you decided you wanted to go deeper in a more private and professional manner, you can set something up through that website. So I just made it easy for you. She also has a wonderful free resource wherever podcasts can be found. Hers is called Help, I Have a Narcissist in My Life. And it's a great way to start understanding what you might be dealing with. Didn't have a name. You're suffering the consequences. Now you're beginning to understand what this is. And by the way, she's on almost every social media platform out there. So all that information by way of background, I am so thankful that Laurel Slade Wagner is with us. And Laurel, I, let me just tell you right out of the gate how much I appreciate your being with us. And as the calls are starting to be stacked, and boy, they're stacking again, as they always do, take me back to Oxford. What was right or wrong in the way Oxford described narcissism? 
Well, thank you once again for having me on, Janet. It's just, I can't begin to tell you the amount of emails and phone calls I get after you have me on the program. There are so many hurting yes. people out there, especially mm -hmm. in the church, because we're not talking about it. Right. We're, we're not freely allowed to say the word narcissism in the church. They think we're being labeling and condescending. But Oxford has a lot of things right, but it's diluted. It's so diluted because mm -hmm. it doesn't do justice to the toxicity that someone with a personality disorder inflicts on other people. And so uh, all of those things are correct. They, they have an excessive need for affirmation. They're grandiose in, the, in their thinking. They see other people as objects, um, something to be used for their gratification, or they see other people as extensions of themselves. So that's why they'll have a golden child that that makes them look good out in public. And um, I hear the music, so we can pick it up on the other side of that. You're such a pro. Thank you, Laurel. I appreciate it. And there are some really good questions that are starting to get stacked online. Join, okay? This might be something we've never given it a name before, but you certainly are suffering the bruises of this very dangerous personality disorder. 877-548-3675. That's our number, 877-548-3675. This hour, you get to ask questions about narcissism, and Laurel Slade-Wagner will answer them for you. Back after this. What if those times you felt like you were walking in circles were really God's way of leading you to his plan for your life? That's why I've chosen Connecting the Dots as this month's truth tool. Learn how to make the most of the lessons you're learning now. Ask for your copy of Connecting the Dots when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-JANET-58. That's 877-JANET-58. Or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. This is In the Market with Janet Parshall, and our topic this hour is narcissism, and it's your opportunity to ask any question you have about this widening problem in the culture. And I think I can make that statement declaratively because it certainly has gotten worse. And Laurel and I have talked about this in the fact in the past, what some of the causal factors are that may have seen this growing ascendancy of this personality disorder. But before I go to the phones, and I will in just a moment, Laurel, you had more that you were going to say, and I think it was crucial when I started the program by reading to you what the Oxford Dictionary said. And up to this point, you had said, they're right, but it's diluted. It does not express the toxicity of this personality. Please pick it up from there. Yes, because when you're in a relationship with someone who is narcissistic or what the Bible calls biblically foolish, it creates a gross imbalance of power and responsibility within the relationship. So the narcissistic individual has all of the empowerment um, and, and oftentimes uh, none of the relational responsibility. So they, they delegate the, the responsibility of making them look good to the people they're in relationships with because they have this excessive need for affirmation but because they're so avoidant of shame experiences, they they don't want intimacy. So they don't want to be known. They want to control everything. They want to project this false self-image. They see themselves 
as they want to be, not how they actually are. They're, mm. You cannot get someone who's narcissistic to be vulnerable. They're not open to looking at things from a different perspective. They're not open to taking ownership for wrongs. Um, they're just very difficult to work with. And because they're protecting their empowerment, their uh, constantly manipulating, like you were saying, gaslighting, which is uh, trying to make you feel like you're crazy or bad or not good enough um, or name calling or even subtle put downs or, or little subtle criticisms just to make you doubt your sanity, your strength, your goodness. It's it's just so hard on someone's self-worth. They start to believe they are mm -hmm. all of those things. They use yeah. a lot of covert tactics like uh, triangulation, where they're trying to um, create a, a smear campaign in in severe cases or slander, so that they can control another person's behaviors and another person's image. So you see this a lot with parenting; they're trying to be seen as the preferred parent. So they'll bribe their children with with uh, things that maybe aren't age appropriate or good for them, or they will just talk so negatively about the non-narcissistic parents so that that child has to choose that narcissistic parent um, over that other parent. So, that, I mean, mm. they're just constantly creating division everywhere. That The Bible talks about divisive people. They're, they're, they have no reverence for the Lord. They have uh, no respect for authority, even if they outwardly project that they do, inwardly they don't. Mm. So they they just have this high psychological need for power and importance. Yeah. Wow. Well, let me go to the phones, friends. Thank you so much for that, Laurel. I appreciate so much the expansion of that definition. 877-548-3675. Tim, I welcome you from the great Commonwealth of Virginia. Thanks for being here and your question, please. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you both very much. Mm -hmm. Um, yes, so many, just about all the characteristics you just described, Laurel, fit my, my wife of 33 years. And so there's, there's a, something I'm still trying to figure out, though. She is a professing Christian, and we've gone to church side by side for many, many years. Um, she appears to read her Bible on quite an often basis. Really, my question is, now that she's in, engaged in this out, outright smear campaign against me, does she believe her lies, her own lies that she's telling to her children, that she's telling to my siblings, that she's telling to friends? Uh, it, it, does she actually believe the things she's saying or, or or is she aware that she's actually lying? And and if she is actually aware, man, I can't believe she's mm. can sleep at night. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, Tim, I can hear the pain in your voice and I'm mm -hmm. so, so sorry that you're going through all of that. Um that's a tough one to answer because I I don't know her, so I can't really say what's going on. But I, what I can say is in most cases, they insulate themselves with so much denial. They just, they don't want to experience 
shame. They, they're not comfortable with vulnerability. So they have to have a lot of people around them feeding them a lot of affirmation and they ingest that affirmation and they, they cling to it. And so they, they're in complete denial about anything that is fallen within them. And they're, they're focused on all of your fallenness. So most of them, because they insulate themselves in this denial, they believe what they're saying. They do, they absolutely believe it because that's the only way they can function. They, if they stop and really think about it, then you're right. Your question was, how could she sleep at night? Mm-hmm. They, a lot of times, even the Bible talks about this in some of the Psalms. You know, they see the um, the psalmists are are talking about how the the wicked and the foolish are being blessed and and having um, and sleeping well at night while they're being tormented and not sleeping at all. It's because they they live in this world of denial. They just can't acknowledge their own fallenness. And you try to get them to, and that's when you're going to get a lot of that narcissistic behavior and mm-hmm. a lot of what you're experiencing, that triangulation and smear campaigning. Mm. Can I ask as a follow-up, Tim, to your very insightful question, and I echo also the the pain that you must be going through. Is it too much to say, Laurel, that there's a seared conscience here? We know that there's a lack of empathy, that milk of human kindness, that ability to connect with other people, but is their conscience seared to the point where, like Tim asked, you, you don't even know if you're lying anymore? Uh, that I believe, yes, Janet, absolutely. The Bible talks about that. And, and yeah. God turns them over to that hard-heartedness because that's what they want. Right. Yep. They I want think... distance from him. Wow. Thank you, Tim, so much. 877-548-3675. We're taking questions this hour on the topic of narcissism. And we welcome you at 877-548-3675. Laurel Slade Wagner is our guest, wonderful author, great podcast. Back after this. Laurel Slade Wagner is our guest. This is a woman who understands something about the pain of narcissism, having lived through it herself. And now she writes about it and she counsels on this particular topic. She has a podcast, Help, I Have a Narcissist in My Life. You can find those wherever there are podcasts. It's a great free resource for you. 877-548-3675. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us from Ohio. Thanks for being here. And your question, please. Hi, thank you for having me. And I just want to say I am married to a narcissist. And by you coming on, you've helped me so much to recognize, like, just like the other caller, everything that you said is my husband, the traits. But what I I need to, he likes to bring up stuff from the past. So how do you combat that? How do you respond or not respond in the best way? Because, you know, they don't want to take responsibility. Right. Right. And and that's a, a weapon that they use. So it's it's derailing is the word that I used in the book. So they're trying to throw you off on a trail so that you're spending your time and your energy and your words defending yourself. And then you're going to get nowhere with that. So if you can kind of see it as an emotional dart flying toward you. So you duck, you don't, you just let it keep going. You, you don't respond to that. You just keep moving forward with the issue at hand. So if you, if it's happening when you're confronting him on 
his behavior or you're trying to articulate a need or a desire that you have, then you, then you just don't even go there. Just keep focused, stay focused on what you're trying to accomplish with that conversation. So you just kind of become robotic if you can, like just take a few deep breaths. If you give him your emotions, he's not going to do anything good with it. So the Bible says in Matthew 7, 6, um, do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not cast your pearls before swine, lest they only trample them under their feet, which means they're not going to do anything with it, or they will turn and tear you to pieces. So if you can kind of just see that those are the only two things that are going to happen, if you get flustered, if you show him that he has power over your emotions and over the conversation, th then you're not going to accomplish the goal of the conversation. That's where there's a I'm writing this third book all about dialoguing, but there is a whole section in the first book about dialoguing. There is a section on derailing and how to keep the conversation going so that you can accomplish your goal. Mm. And let me again give you the titles of those books. Don't Let Their Crazy Make You Crazy, How to Stay Sane and Strong When the Narcissist in Your Life is Trying to Control or Abuse You, and the companion book, Don't Let Their Crazy Make Your Kids Crazy how to shield your children from their narcissistic parents' control and manipulation. And by the way, I've got links to those books on my info page in the market with JanetParshall.org. Click on the red box that says program details and audio, and it'll get you right to the source and what you're looking for. Thank you, Nicole, so much for being a part of this conversation. Richard, I turn to you next in Florida. Thank you for joining in on the conversation. Please, your question. Thank you. My question, uh, I'm married to a narcissist and, uh, Looking over things in the actions, uh, it's pushing me to to believe that there's an affair going on because of all of the the, uh, the red flags. Richard, do you have a question? Yeah, uh, is it easy for them? Is it easier for a narcissist to uh, uh, hide an affair? Mm. Does it come natural to them? Mm -hmm. uh, and the answer to that, once again, I don't know your wife, so I can't say for sure, but I can tell you with the, with narcissism, they get better at being narcissistic over time. They figure out what works, what doesn't work. And so, uh, they are prone to affairs because what happens is they project this false self out in public that they're this, uh, whatever they value, either super intelligent or um, a, a good loving Christian person or a good mom or a good dad. They project this image of who they want to be out in public. Well, the people who live with them, a spouse in particular, they know what's really going on. And so the narcissist starts to be one person out in public and then behind closed doors, they're very abusive, very controlling to the people who they live with and interact with on a daily basis. And so what happens is they they need that affirmation. They have an excessive need for affirmation and attention. And so if you're not giving them the attention they believe that they're entitled to, or you're not giving them whatever they believe they're entitled to, then they do have a tendency to go seek it elsewhere. Um, I know your pain. Oh my goodness. I've, I've lived through that pain. What I recommend to you is pray, pray for God to reveal truth. I recommend if you can to, um, if 
hire a private investigator if you can't afford that. There's lots of tracking devices and things like that, because God doesn't want this to remain a secret. He wants it to come out in the open. If there's an affair going on, he wants it to come out in the open so it can be dealt with. Mm. So I, just sitting back and, and just wondering is a tormenting place to be, Richard. And I, I do not believe that that's what God wants you to do is sit back and not confront this. Mm. Richard, I hope you're encouraged by that counsel, and I thank you for being a part of this conversation. Don't forget, again, I've got a link to Laurel's website. If you wanted to talk to her privately and professionally, you can set something up through a website. That's also on the info page. Let me take a break and come right back. By the way, this is why we continue these conversations. I say goodbye, and immediately another call replaces the person I just said goodbye to. But every line is lit. So when you hear me say goodbye, that's your opportunity to call in. And as long as this kind of topic generates your ability to do some introspection and some examination, we're going to keep this up. 877-548-3675. Often do you tune into In the Market once, twice a week, every day? If this program is valuable to you, why not become a partial partner? Your financial support is invaluable as we apply God's word to current events and modern culture. Knowing we can count on your monthly gift encourages us to deliver relevant and up-to-date content every day. Become a partial partner today by calling 877-JANET58 or go online to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. We're spending the hour with Laurel Slade Wagner, always fruitful time when she comes and visits. She's a board-certified professional Christian counselor, a licensed mental health counselor, and marriage licensed marriage and family therapist, all within the state of Florida. She's had a private practice there for close to 20 years. Again, she's written some books that are very germane to this topic and so useful, by the way. Those of us who have these copies know just exactly how fruitful time in her books really is. First, it's called Don't Let Their Crazy Make You Crazy. And then the companion is Don't Let Their Crazy Make Your Kids Crazy. Soon there will be a third book, Crazy Talk, How to Respond When the Narcissist in Your Life is Being Demanding, Dismissive, and Degrading. Also, again, a link to her website. Don't forget her podcast, Help, I Have a Narcissist in My Life. Let me go back to the phones where every line is still it. 877-548-3675. Joseph in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, I really appreciate your patience. Thank you, sir, and we'll take your question. Thank you. Uh, the reason I called, I uh, have a friend who's basically narcissist. The reason I say it is because we both have the same counselor. He told me she's a narcissist and he couldn't do anything with her. I'm learning it the hard way. Mm-hmm. My question is, uh, she there was a narcissistic behavior. What she'll do is deny, it, like they always do, their behavior, and then she'll stay away for a long time, but then comes back and wants to be a friend. It's happened over and over again. And I find the relationship to be toxic. It was the latest incident, very poisonous. My question to you is how do I balance forgiveness and letting her back in my life? Is that wise to do that? I mean, or can I just cut the relationship off and still feel good about that? Because it's not, it's not good for either of us. It's just not good. Mm. Joseph, thank you so much for calling in. And that's a great question because mm-hmm. that that keeps people so stuck because you, it sounds like you have uh, an amazing reverence for the Lord and, and you want to do what's pleasing to him. You want 
to do the Christian thing and forgive, like he talks about in the written word. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two completely different things. So we can choose to forgive, which means we're turning that person over to God. And, and so we're saying, God, I I don't know what to do here. I their behavior keeps hurting me, but they're yours. You know what to do. I'm releasing this person's behavior into your care. That's forgiveness. Reconciliation and having a relationship with someone who's narcissistic, that is based on the what the Bible calls fruit. What, what are their behaviors? If it's toxic, then we certainly don't keep moving toward a person. We have to use that redemptive tool of separation. I say redemptive because it if you use the tool of separation, it gives God the opportunity to work in that other person's heart, and it gives you freedom from being controlled and abused. And so there's redemption that takes place uh, no matter what, if you use that redemptive tool of separation. Of course, the, the main goal and desire is for that person to to fall at the feet of the Lord and want to seek the prompting of the Holy Spirit and and seek biblical wisdom. But if they won't do that, you're still free from the toxic behaviors. So you can forgive and still use the redemptive tool separation. They're not they're not one in the same. So I, I just want you to understand the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. If someone is continuing to abuse you and, and they will not look at themselves, they have that cognitive rigidity. That's what foolishness is. They're, they're not open to looking at things from a different perspective. If they're not going to stop, then that separation is what God does. And it's what he recommends to do all throughout his holy word. Mm. Thank you, Joseph. Appreciate your being a part of this. Joyce in California, welcome your question now for Laurel, please. Well, my son was, was married to a uh, narcissist for about 17 years, and um, together longer. They had two girls. And I have, I have felt like I have forgiven her, but she left him for another man 10 years, well, in 09. And... Um, is still with him. They've never married, but they're both narcissists. So good luck to them. But mm -hmm. my question is, the girls, um, one of them has kind of come back into the church and in, to the Lord. The other one has hit Buddhism full on because she was beaten into praying to God to apologize to her mother for something she didn't do. And uh, she correlates that even at 25 to praying to God while her mother is beating her to ask God to forgive her. And uh, I've prayed through this. I've prayed for it. And then my son died in, in uh, 18. And literally, it, it killed him. He loved her. He wanted to be married for life. Mm -hmm. His life was with the girls and with her, and she was a very abusive narcissist. And in family counseling, um, the counselor told her that the personality disorder that she's got cannot be fixed. 
well, I know God can fix them, but they have to want part of that too. Mm -hmm. So when the abuse goes on, it's hard to shut that off knowing that it's, it's harmful, very harmful. Yeah. Joyce, let me stop you there only because I've got every other line lit. And let me ask Laurel to respond to what you've said so far. So Laurel, your response to what Joyce has been talking about. Oh my goodness, Joyce, you know, my heart breaks, my heart breaks for all, all of these callers, Mm -hmm. Janet. Um, But I don't know if you have a relationship. I think the main question you're asking is how to, um, how to maybe influence your granddaughter to see God's goodness um, because she was spiritually abused. That's all, that's horrific. What she went through and then in the name of the Lord, the mother was abusing her. Um, I don't know if you're in her life or, or if you have access to her or if you can even write her a letter, if you're not within close proximity of her, but just, just letting her know that, the God that she thinks exists is not the God of the Bible and that, that you're so sad for her, for what she went through, but you're always there to answer any questions about the Bible, about God's word, about anything that has to do with God. And then you, you just make yourself available and then you be the fruit of the spirit to her, show her that you're you're there, you're offering, but you're not intrusive. You're not trying to overpower her, but you are there. And, and she'll remember that. Just reach out to her consistently somehow. Just, just send her little notes of encouragement or, or prayers. It goes a long way. Even if she's not acknowledging it now, there are, are so many times that we plant seeds and we, we don't get to see what happens in the future. Um, so just throw those seeds out there. Mm. I just encourage you to keep doing that. Wow. And I thank you so much, Joyce, for joining us. 877-548-3675. Paula in Ohio, welcome your question, please. Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm calling because it's maybe a little different, but if, um, I was in a marriage for 15 years and married very young, straight from my parents' home to my ex-husband's home, and I had no business getting married at 18, but I did, and very immature, that kind of thing. And when we were divorced, my ex-husband said, if people only knew the real you, they wouldn't like you. And so uh, along with that and... um, different family dynamics at home and things. Um, You know, I had this self-esteem issue kind of thing. And so uh, when I hear the comments that you had made about people needing affirmations and things like that, um, and the reason I ask is because I had a boss tell me one time, well, you're just narcissistic. And my therapist, um, I have a son that is autism, has autism, so I've been going with her. She said, no, you're not. That's crazy. But um, it seems like that the narcissism and having low self-esteem are similar, but it's uh, the narcissist is the um, negative effect of having low self-esteem because 
Yeah. Does that make sense what I'm asking? Or because yeah. I mean, I know how I feel, and I never feel like I'm ever good enough and everything. I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know, or that it's always going to be wrong. And it's not, I don't feel, I mean, my, my, my uh, I don't want to get into politics, but my, my <clears> therapist <throat> said, you know, a Trump or a, a Bernie Madoff, those are narcissists. And that's couldn't be farther from the truth from me or, or that kind of thing. And from what your callers are saying, that's not who I am either so it I don't know I just feel like I don't know (laughs) okay so Paula let me put you on hold we're coming to a break when we come back I'll tell Laura if you don't mind Laurel to respond to what Paula just said this is in the market with Janet Parshall our number is 877-548-3675 we are talking about narcissism that's our topic this hour narcissism any question you've got on this topic we'd be happy to entertain it back after this Slade Wagner is with us. This is a woman who has been in practice for close to 20 years in Florida as a board-certified professional Christian counselor. She has written a couple of books on the topic we're discussing, narcissism. Don't let their crazy make you crazy and don't let their crazy make your kids crazy. Again, I have a link to her website if you want to talk to her privately and professionally. And don't forget her podcast, Help, I Have a Narcissist in My Life. So a quick summation, Paula from Ohio basically wants to know is narcissism actually just about a lack of self-esteem? Your response, Laurel. Yeah, and my heart breaks for Paula, and I'm so glad she asked that question. She, I want her to know that she is precious and she is not narcissistic. She's on a national radio program uh, sharing vulnerable things, mm-hmm. saying that she got young, she married. She's very good at self-reflecting and, and making herself vulnerable. Those are not qualities of someone who is clinically narcissistic. Um, what she said at the beginning was she said that she was married to someone who said, if people knew, really knew who you were, um, they wouldn't like you. Oh my goodness. That's a, that's a example of classic gaslighting. So in those moments, it takes away your sense of worth. You no longer believe that you're lovable or likable. And so you don't have an excessive need for affirmation. You're just looking for confirmation of your likability and your lovability that you've been traumatized. And so getting, and it sounds like you, you're already connected in counseling, really going through your core beliefs and and having that counselor work with you and help you process all the ways that you have been traumatized. You are not narcissistic, but what he did is he projected his narcissism Mm. onto you. And now you're starting to doubt yourself and think that you're narcissistic. That's exactly what what gaslighting is. And Mm. so that's where you you kind of pick apart the, the core beliefs. I have some of this in the first book and we we have to figure out what a corresponding 
true belief is who does God say that you are? Okay. So if you're, if you're needing a lot of that confirmation, looking for your lovability and likability, then you scour your lives and say, well, wait a minute here. No, I do have close friendships or, um, I, I do get along well with all these other people. And so you you remind yourself of those truths and over time you start to heal, but it takes a lot of work, a lot of consistency. And like I said, a, a lot, um, a lot of work can be done uh, with a good Christian counselor who understands trauma recovery. Thank you, Paula. Let me turn next to Linda in Florida. Linda, welcome. Your question, please, for Laurel. Hi. Um, my question is I'm looking for help because my husband, it just came to my attention that my husband is a narcissist and that um, I've been dealing with this for years. And I'm at the place that now he's already isolated himself physically and emotionally. He will separate himself. We have three chil- four children, ages 3 to 11. And I'm at the place that I considered separation, but legally the only option in the state of Florida is divorce after my consultation with the lawyer. So I'm at the place that I don't know how can I approach him because every time I try to talk with him, he uses the standard techniques and has a lot of anger and rage. And um, it's gotten to the point that he said many times, made many threats that he will leave me and my children, but he still stays. And it's quite, it feels like I'm being controlled and I feel trapped. Do you have any advice? Hmm. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And he's using a classic tactic, intimidation. He's trying to create a spirit of fear and, and, uh, and a fear of losing something important to you. I first, as a first Stop. I say invite them into a plan of change. I call it Joshua 24, 15 plan. And I do have it in the first book. So Joshua 24, 15 says, if serving the Lord is undesirable to you, you are free to choose what gods you serve, whether it's the gods of your ancestors or the gods of the living land. But as for me and my household, I'm going to serve the Lord. And so you tell him what you need him to be working on. You articulate your needs. You do not do it in person. You do not do it over the phone. You do it in writing. He is not safe to talk to verbally or in person. Um, you said that he he's angry and he rages. He's not safe. So you do it in person. You invite him into a plan of change. If he ignores that invitation, then you do say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start using the redemptive tool of separation. I'm in Florida as well. I know that we do not have a legal separation in Florida. So um, you can start by saying we're going to do an in-house separation. That means, you know, you're not going to spend time together. You're going to kind of live separate lives. You're, you're just pulling back your presence in gradual stages until he gets the message that you're serious, that you're not going to live like this any longer and that you want him, you want your marriage, but you're going to insist on change too. And so then if you do have to have uh, an out of house separation, you can do that. We don't have a legal separation. If he starts abusing you financially, or he starts uh, abusing you, um, harassing you or anything like that in Florida, since we don't have a legal separation, we do have to file for divorce. But I tell people that is only a legal tool to get yourself some protection. It doesn't mean that you want to get divorced. It doesn't mean that you have to get divorced, but you have access then to legal aid. And so we have to do that in our state. Um, But there is help. 
There is, and this is all a biblical process, Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Um, God is with you. He instructs you the whole way. There is help. Wow. And I thank you so for being a part of this conversation. Laurel, I have one minute left. So first, an apology to my friends that I'm sorry I didn't get to your question, but I'll tell you what you've done for me and for Laurel. You encourage us to keep going on this topic because when every line lights up, we know that we've really tapped into some pain that's either not been discussed or recognized or dealt with. And so we're going to continue to talk about it on this program. So just a quick thing, if they're, if you're married to a narcissist, and this is all in your book, tell me about one technique that someone can use to avoid triggering the narcissist. Well, you're going to trigger a narcissist. So accept that reality. What you have to do is figure out how you can use different language so that you can neutralize the impacts. I would say that's key, knowing the difference. Because if you if you quest to not trigger the narcissist, you're going to feel defeated because mm. they're overreactive all yeah. the time. They will be triggered. You just have to figure out what to do in the presence of that or pull yourself back. Wow, that's a strong note to end this conversation on. Please check out the information page in the market with JanetParshall.org. Check that red box. It says program details and audio. And when you get there, there's a longer bio for Laurel Slade Wagner. There's also a link to her website. I've told you before why we put it there so that if you wanted to dig in more privately, personally with Laurel, you can set that up through the website, her website, and also her books, both of them there for your resource. Laurel, my heartfelt thanks. And thank you, friends. We'll see you next time.